We are continuing on body 24. If we remember from last time, we talked about the four stages of enlightenment and Guru Nanak Dev Ji then went on to express what is the experience of someone who's gone through the four stages and lost their sense of self-identity. We talked about the rivers that had merged back into the ocean to the point where the river was no longer recognizable and it was just the ocean that was being experienced. What is that like? What are the words? What are the feelings? What is the experience of that? Guru Nanak Dev Ji talked about the experience being that of infinity, limitlessness. Guruji began by talking about their expression as being one of praise, endless praise, antana sifti, gehenna ant. Praises do not end. No end to praise. Praises do not end. Antana karana dehenna ant. There is no end to the doings, the creativity. No ends to its gifts. Antana vekarna sunanna ant. It sees all, it hears all, it is the eyes of everyone. We use the analogy of the stage, the play, but all the actors are in fact one. Every character is being played by that one same actor. So Guru Nanak continues to express this wonderstruck perspective of the egoless state. Guruji continues, Antna Japa Kya Man Mant. Ant, ant means limit. Antna, no limit. Japa. The word Jap, Japa means to understand. Antna Japa. There is no limit to the understanding. Kya Man Mant. Mant here comes from the word mantri, mantri, which means that person who is an advisor to a king. That is the word mantri. We use even today in Indian government, every minister is called a mantri. And what they advise is called mantar. Their decisions, they are the decision makers. They are the ones who come up with all the policies, all the rules, all the decisions. So the word mantra means mantra, which means decision. It comes from the word mantri, which is that decision maker, that advisor, that special advisor who comes up with all the rules. Antana Jape Kya Man Mant. Guruji is saying that there is no end to the understanding of what decision is happen happening in the mind. So here the mind here is not talking about the mind of the individual. Remember the individual is now no longer there. 
the individual is gone. This is now that divine one, that divine one. Nobody knows what decisions are being made, why the decisions are being made. Even though you have merged into that oneness, even though it is now so close to you, it is a part of you, it is you, even though you may have such a connection with that oneness, it doesn't mean that you know everything about that oneness. There is still a limit to your expression and your experience of that oneness. Guru Nanak Dev Ji says in Gurbani time and time again, Tera Antna Paya, I cannot know your limits. Ape Jane Aap, only you know yourself. Even someone like Guru Nanak Dev Ji has to acknowledge that ultimately the oneness knows itself. The individual can never know everything. So here it's talking about Antna Jape. There is no end of understanding. Still the limited individual cannot know all the ways of the one all the decisions that it makes. The purpose behind actions. And more importantly, these are the kind of questions that we ask when we are within our separated self. When we are separated from the One, then we ask such questions. Why? Why has the universe decided to do these things? But at this stage, there is no one left to ask those questions. So if we take this back to ourselves, if we think about ourselves for a moment, every decision that we make in life is a is an attempt to preserve ourselves in some way, is an attempt to look after ourselves in some way. Our life, our family, our reputation in society, to preserve our thoughts, our lifestyle, we do every action to preserve our life. So the greater the threat to our life, the greater a problem seems. And if we look at problems in our life, we always seem to be able to find someone else to blame for those problems. It's always somebody else's fault. There's always an external that we can blame for that. And we need someone to blame. And when we can't find someone to blame, when we can't understand the scenario, when we can't find any rational explanation, when we can't accept the outcome, then it must be God who takes the blame. And we may go as far to say that if there was a God, then He wouldn't do this to me. So the very existence of God is being questioned when troubles come in our life. It is as though the existence of God depends on whether he is doing nice things to you. If he does nice things to you, you're willing to accept that there is a God. 
as soon as things start going wrong, then we have to question, well, maybe this guy doesn't exist. If there is a God, why do bad things happen? This is probably the most common question that mankind faces. And this is the biggest problem that we have created when we create this imaginary character called God. He can't live up to our standards. We can accept mankind being flawed. We can accept all the people in positions of power making mistakes. But surely not Mr. God. And he is our father figure. He is our protector. So why would he do bad things to us? These are the kind of questions we ask when we can't understand the decisions that the universe is making. And nobody wants to accept the decisions of the universe. Nobody wants to take that step, that bigger leap that says, actually everything the universe is doing is fine. Nobody wants to accept the universe at every moment. But what Guruji is saying here is that the universe has no one to ask. When it makes a decision, it has no one to consult. It seeks no one's permission. And only it knows itself. We even hear people saying, you know what, everything happens for a reason. What are we saying when we say that? Really what we're saying is, I can't really understand or explain why something is happening right now. So I'm going to hope that there's a good outcome at the end. So it's a coping mechanism. And we say it in Punjabi and we say it in, in, in every language. It's not restricted to English. There must be some reason for doing this. So what we're saying is, right now, it doesn't make sense. The outcome doesn't seem to fit within our notion of reality. So we'll just assume that life is always meant to be good. And if it's not good right now, let's just keep a hope that it will be good. And it's a way of maintaining a belief in this Mr. God. Even though what it looks like quite clearly is that Mr. God is doing something wrong, wrong to you. You say, well, there must be a good reason behind it. This is still not accepting hukam. Hukam means that which is happening is happening. It is neither good nor bad. It just is. By saying there must be a good in it, there must be a reason for it. What you're saying is right now it doesn't feel good. Right now I'm not willing to accept the outcome. So I'm going to hope that the outcome presents itself. The real reason behind it presents itself in the future. I can't see the, the positive in it now, but I'm going to hold on to this lie that I tell myself that there is a positive in the end somehow and I'm just going to keep looking for that. That's not accepting hukam. Hukam is what is happening is happening. 
at every moment we don't need to look for a positive outcome. We don't need to know that something is going to turn out well for us. Because within that is a duality. There is a giver, Mr. God, and there is a receiver. And as long as he's giving us good stuff, we're willing to accept that he's there. But when his gifts run out, when the relationship turns sour, then we're willing to walk away. This is not the meaning of hukum. And the very first question that Guru Nanak Dev Ji answers, give sachyara hoye, give gure tutte pal, hukam razai chalana, walk on that path of that divine will. Don't waver from that. So, Guruji, when he talks about Antana Jape Kya Manamanth, the Manamanth, that decision of that divine, the divine mind, is now no longer being questioned. The individual has accepted that I cannot know the divine decision. I can't know why the decision is being made. But I know that I'm no longer a victim of that decision. That divine decision is not doing something to me. It is not the oppressor, I am not the victim. The universe is simply dancing. And sometimes the dance is slow and calm and sometimes the dance is fast and turbulent and it causes a storm all around it. Think of a tornado. It is a dance. Nobody ever says, what a beautiful tornado. We say, what a beautiful sunshine. What a beautiful rainbow. What beautiful snow. But isn't there beauty in a tornado? Isn't there beauty in a forest fire? We can't see that because we see every scenario as a victim. How it affects us. If it pleases our mind, if it pleases our eyes, we say it's beautiful. If it affects us in some way, our body. So this is what we mean, that everything that we do is a method of self-preservation. We're trying to look after ourselves, And if the universe seems to be doing something to disrupt our self-preservation, then we resist, we fight back. Let go of your self-preservation. This is now the voice of someone who has lost that desire to preserve themselves. They have voluntarily given themselves up. That river has voluntarily surrendered itself to the ocean. The river doesn't exist once it goes back into the ocean. This is nothing less than voluntary suicide. When Guru Nanak Dev Ji says, Joto prem khilan ka chao, sir tar tali gali meri ao. If you want to play this game of love, 
lovingly give your head. What does Guru Gobind Singh Ji ask for? He asks for your head. Voluntary, at every moment, saying, it was never mine to begin with. So, Antana Jape Kya Manamand. We cannot know the decision of the universe, and we don't want to know. We have no need to know. It just is. Antana Jape Kita Akar. Antana Jape, no end to understanding that which is created and the creation. Kita that which is being done, and akar, that which is being created. End is not understanding, created creation. There's no limit to us understanding the universe, the created world. Scientists continue to try and understand the mechanics of the universe. They may be able to understand the movements. They may be able to understand the life cycles of all things created. But what they cannot understand is the reasons, the motivations. When will it stop? What makes it move? What has set the earth on this continuous trajectory around the sun. What keeps it moving? What is the force behind it that just makes it continuous to move? We may know that it moves. And we can calculate how fast and how many turns a second and how many times a year. But the further and further science goes, the further and further it searches, the more questions that get revealed. At no point is a scientist going to turn around and say, everything that we needed to know, we've learnt, we've stopped. Everywhere they look, there's more questions. And even the mechanics of your own body, your own self, your birth, we know how the body grows in the womb of the mother. But when does life enter into that? We can see cells and cells dividing and multiplying. But at what point does life enter? What does that look like? What happens when life leaves the body? These are the things that are beyond our understanding. When does consciousness come in, into us? What is the nature of aliveness? Where has it come from? When did it enter into your body? And why have we been created this way? Why do we have a mind? Why do we have thoughts? Why do we have an ego? What purpose does it serve? What is the function of these things? Remember that Guru Nanak Dev Ji has already told us that you can know quite a lot. In the Suniya Shabads, Guruji said, Suniya Tarat Taval Akas. One who goes into deep listening, listening to that 
divine sound of that Aung within them, listening to that Guru, that wisdom, <coughs> that Gyan, that knowledge, you get a lot of understanding. Sunya Tarat Taval Akas, Sunya Deep Low Patal, the earth, the skies, the world and the higher worlds and the low worlds. But you don't know the end of it. It is limitless. So Guru Nanak Dev Ji is not contradicting what he said before when he talked about what you can know. You can get an appreciation for these things. Guruji talked about Sunya Jog Jugat Tanped. You learn some of the secrets of the body. But you cannot know everything. In fact, Guruji is confirming what he said right at the beginning. Hukmi Hovan Akar, Hukam Na Kahayajai. With the Hukam, with that divine order, Akar, creation occurs, but the why can never be known. It doesn't mean that you can say everything about it. Antna Jape Kita Akar. Antna Jape Paravar. The word Paravar means that which came before and that where it will go in the end. What came before and what comes after. Paravar. It also references an ocean, an endless ocean. So the word Paravar means an endless ocean as well. Something that is infinitely big. In Reras we read Jananak Bal Bal Sad Bal Jaya Tera Antana Para Varya. Nanak, the servant, is a devoted, sacrificed devotee, just giving himself in again and again and again. But Tera Antana Paravarya. He has realized that there is no end to this endless ocean. So, Antana Jape Paravar, there is no end to the understanding of the before and the after. There is no end to the understanding of this unlimited ocean. So, we cannot know what was before the universe. We can have ideas, we can have theories, but they will always remain theories because you will never know. Gurbani talks about how can the son know the experience of the father's birth? We can know the technicalities, but we can never know the experience. We don't even know about our own birth, let alone the birth of our own fathers. So, we don't know what was before the universe. If in fact there was a before, if in fact there will ever be an after, has it ever been created? We cannot know the ins and outs of these. Antana Jape Paravar. Wherever you look, there is infinity. Every time scientists think that they found a corner of the universe which looks like an empty bit of space, they point a telescope there and they just discover 
endless galaxies within the tiniest portion of space that they thought was empty. So what is beyond this infinity? It's beyond understanding. Antana Jape. We cannot understand. There is no limit to our understanding. Antana Jape Paravar. But that doesn't mean people haven't tried. Antakaran Kete Bilalahe. Antakaran. For this end, to reach this limit, Kete, how many have tried? Bilalahe means have really struggled, have attempted, have yearned. Antakaran Kete Bilalahe. Just a little bit about the spelling as well. Notice that so far, every word ant has been with an onkar. Limit, the limitation, the end. But here in this line, the word is mukta. It doesn't have an onkar underneath. So, so far we've been talking about antana japa kita akar, antana japa paravar. There is no end to understanding, no end to our understanding of that which has been created, that which is endless. But here the word antakaran, this is poetic language. If the language had to be used in prose, in full sentences, you would never say antakaran. You would say antadakaran, the reason of limitations and when Gurbani sometimes misses out an ankar, a word that's supposed to have an ankar, it means that it's linked to another word so we can see antakaran those words are linked antadakaran so here Gurbani is using a grammatical device for you to understand where words are linked this becomes even more useful when you look at more sentences of Gurbani. We've come across this example before in the Mool Mantar. Akal Murat. The word Akal is masculine singular. It should have an Ankar underneath it, but it's missing that Ankar. We call that word Mukta. That means that it's linked to the next word or a, a word close by. That's why we don't say in the Mool Mantar Akal. We say Akal Murat. We know it's linked to the word Murat because of the missing Ankar, Akal Murat. That word is called Mukta and the same is happening here. Antakaran, Antadakaran. The reason of Ant. So it's basically the word of that's missing. Antakaran Kete Bilalahe. For the limits. So many have struggled and yearned to find this limit, to find the end. So many meditators, philosophers, scientists, mathematicians have all tried to push the boundaries, have all tried to go further beyond what the last expert has done. But they've struggled to know the limits. In fact, they only come to the same conclusion, which is there is no limit. Tira Antanapaya. And even in meditation, people try to push the boundaries. Everyone wants to outdo somebody else. Everybody wants to be the best meditator. Everyone wants to know that they've gone somewhere 
where no one else has managed to go. Everyone is trying to outdo each other. We have introduced a very limiting idea within Sikhi as well. We talk about Kamai. How much have you earned? What's your Kamai? What's your Pagti? So we've also introduced this idea that you need to do more. Like there is a, an account and you're building up your brownie points. We talk about some people, they have a lot of Kamai. And some people, they have no Kamai. This is very dualistic. We're not seeing the oneness. We're seeing individuals and we're competing with them. We want to know that we're doing better than them. Ultimately, if you believe that you have done any Kamai, then you're holding on to an ego that I have achieved. I have done something. And Guru Nanak Dev Ji time and time and time again says this is not your achievement. Nam Simran Bhakti is grace. But that doesn't stop us. So we must take Gurbani at every opportunity to see what is it saying to us? What can we learn from it? This isn't just a conversation between Guru Nanak and some philosophers in the 14th, 15th centuries. This is not Guru Nanak Dev Ji just having very high level intellectual debates. This is Guru Nanak Dev Ji talking to you. If your instruction is to read Japji Sahib every day, then this is for you every day. It is not just a retelling of some historical conversation. Antkaran kete bilalahe, and what have they realized? Taake antna paaye jaye. That the limit of this taake ant, its limits, na paaye jaye, cannot be obtained, has not been obtained, will never be obtained. This limit, nobody has known. None has known this limit. In fact, the more that you try and say about it, it becomes even more, even less describable. Have you ever had that where you try and explain something and you think... I think I'll be able to explain it to you. But as soon as you try to explain it, you realize that you can't even bring the words together. And then what do we say? You just have to go and try it yourself. You had to be there. Because it's an experience, it's not something I can put into words. It cannot be retold. The more that you try and describe it, the more inaccurate your description becomes. The more you start to babble. The more you say that the universe is vast, you can say it once and people will appreciate it. But if you keep saying it, it's vast, it's vast, it's vast, 
In fact, at some point people will say, actually that word has lost all meaning. We're now forgetting what you mean, we don't get it. So everything that you try and say about this oneness is inaccurate. This is a katha. This is katha, a sermon, a description of something that is indescribable, a kat. Something that is indescribable indes- is being described. It's like a bird who wants to touch the sky. When he's standing on the tree looking at the sky, he says, I can do that. And he tries with his little wings and flaps and goes higher and higher and higher. And he motivates himself for some time. I'm getting closer, I'm getting closer. But then he's been trying for some time and he realizes I'm not getting any closer. In fact, the sky seems to be getting further and further away. Ant karan kete bilalahe. How many people have tried? Take ant na jai. E ant na jane koi. Nobody has ever reached the end. Bauta ke ye bauta hoi. The more you try, the harder it becomes. The less achievable it seems. Guru Nanak Dev Ji is pointing to something here. Don't make your own spiritual enlightenment some sort of unreachable target. You know, when we talk about enlightenment, we don't really have a word for that in, in <coughs> Gurbani. Mukti means freedom. Enlightenment means something that you achieve, something that you attain. But we're not trying to attain this ultimate supreme experience. Because if you place something at such a high pedestal, then you realize that you've created something that is unachievable. So we're not striving for perfection here. Don't make meditation something that is trying to achieve a goal that's so far away that actually the whole point of your meditation is just to try and grab this thing that seems to be eluding you. Meditation is now, is here. Meditate right now. Be at one with the oneness now. Don't make the oneness something so far away. By making it far away, you've made it unachievable. And once you make something so unachievable, everybody who's tried to go after it has realized, I can't, I can't go after it. It's too much, it's too big, it's too far away. So this oneness is unimaginable, beyond our understanding. We cannot write a story about this. Every time you write about it, it becomes inaccurate, it becomes history. Every moment new stories are being created by this Vuri Kalam, this endless pen continues to write the story, you can't keep up with that story. So what can you do? You can just sit there and praise. Guruji started with Antana Sifti. I can only praise. And what is Guruji's praise? Vadda Sahib. You are big. You are vast. You are lofty. You are high. 
वड्डा साहेब ऊंचा थाओ थाओ मीन्स प्लेस योर प्लेस इज वेरी हाई यू आर अ वास्ट मास्टर वड्डा साहेब सिटिंग ऑन एन एलिवेटेड हाई प्लेस ऊंचा थाओ saying that the universe is vast is a gross understatement so guru nanak dev ji isn't even trying to describe the universe he's just describing the oneness that has created it if the universe is so vast think about the one who has created it the one who is in everything merged in everything the one that is the entire universe who's that master who's that king who is that one who was there before everything is everything manifested himself into everything does everything sees everything hears everything who is that and if the kings of the world are sitting on a throne then what kind of a throne is this king sitting on so guru nanak dev ji keeps going back to this master king analogy because by that analogy we become subservient to this king this is the only authority that we have to surrender to this is the only real authority any other authority that we surrender to is also subservient to that one vadda sahib ucha thao grand is that sahib that master lofty and high is their place uche upar uncha nao but above this elevation uche upar this elevated being there's something above it uche upar uncha something is above this elevation and that is your name your naam is higher than you so nao here means naam or it means greatness your praise praise of you is higher now this is a very strange statement we can understand that you are great the oneness is great the creator is great but is it fair to say that his name is great what does that even mean how can naam how can the name of something be greater than the thing itself and it defies our understanding of everything that we know if you enjoy a certain dish the name of that dish is not going to satisfy that hunger you want to actually experience it if you want to drive a car the name of the car isn't enough even if you're in love with someone their name may be able to do something for you when they're away but it doesn't compare to actually being with that someone So how can naam be more important here? We have to go back to to what we understand naam to be. That is the awareness of its presence. We know that this master is divine. It's it's often said to be high, unachievable, unreachable, unfathomable, infinite. and yet it's within us at the same time but it's everywhere else at the same time so what is the name of it the name of it is our awareness of it when we remember it when we're aware of it 
we unlock the access to that oneness. That oneness is always there, whether we remember it or not. Most of the day we are walking around with our heads in the clouds. The fog of our own thoughts, of our mind. Naam is something that cuts through that fog. It's the clarity, it's the ability to see beyond the haze of the mind. So Naam is the access, is the key to awareness, to remembering. All day our mind is lost in everyday thoughts. What is it that makes you remember it? What is it that at, at one point changes your thought and says, actually I remember you? What has that power? We can look at a sunset and we can say, wow, that's beautiful. But there has to be something inside of us that actually attributes that sunset to someone. That is when we start using Naam. We can look at a sunset, a rainbow, and say, amazing. But until we say, actually, I can see the one who's making it. Wow, thank you for that. Until we actually acknowledge that there is a presence behind it, then we are in Naam. When you're acknowledging just for a moment that there is someone behind it, there's something behind this beauty, then we are remembering Naam. Because even to say, wow, that sunset is beautiful, look at that rainbow, in fact, that's just another thought. It's nothing more than a thought. You have the same thought when a Expensive car drives past, you say, wow, look at that car. Or when some jewellery or some diamonds or something catches your eye, you say, wow, look at that. What's the difference when you're saying, wow, look at the, look at the rainbow? It's just another thought. Cutting through that thought is when you acknowledge that there is a presence behind that creativity. So Naam is awareness of presence. That there is a presence behind everything. So this is the key to unlock the access to it. But even if we say Naam is a key, even if we say Naam is like a bridge that gets us to that point of awareness, is it still fair to say that the key or the bridge is higher or better than what it is that we're accessing. How can the key to something be better than the something itself? How can the name of God be more important or more greater than the God itself? We have to remember that God has no name. <clears throat> That is why Gurbani uses an infinite number of names to try and get you to remember this oneness. It's Ik, it's Oankar, it's Kartapurk, it is Akal, it is Ram, it is Allah, it is Vaheguru, it's Karim, it's Rahim. The names 
are endless. But Guru Gobind Singh Ji says in the Jap Sahib that it is Aname. It actually has no name. God needs no name for himself. The divine doesn't need a name. It is not waiting for someone to call its name. It has nobody to call its name. It requires no one to acknowledge its presence. Its very existence is its name. Everything it does is its name. It doesn't need a word. Everything is its word. Everything is happening by its word. So the divine needs no name. So who does need the name? We do. We need the key to unlock that treasure. The treasure is there. The treasure is shining brightly. It doesn't need anyone to acknowledge it. If you touch that treasure, you're only going to make it dirty. You can add no value to that treasure. The treasure is valuable by itself. And if you want to access that treasure, you need a key. Now along comes the Guru and hands you a key. What value will you place on that key? What is more important? The treasure or the ability to get to that treasure? Without that key, your access to that treasure is locked out. The key is the bridge, the access point, the entry. You need that key more than anything. That key is the entry point to rising above the mind, above the body, above your senses, above your thoughts, above your emotions, above your attachments, above your memories. You rise above all of these and you unlock the infinite experience. What value will you give to something that can unlock that for you? Because without that Naam, without that key, without that awareness, you're back, you fall back down into the swamp of the mind. So that key is your golden ticket. Each time you have the key, each time you use the key, it is a ladder that takes you out of the swamp. It is the bridge that carries you across. Nam is the boat that carries you across the ocean, the terrifying world ocean. How many times did Gurbani tell us that? What will you do to get on board that boat? Is at that point when you're drowning, the destination more important or the boat that can get you out of trouble? Uche upar ucha nao. Naam is the most valuable thing that the Guru gives you. Every time you get the Naam, every time you use that Naam, you're going back, back home. And these are the words from Guru Nanak, who has trodden that path, who has crossed that bridge, unlocked that treasure, and he's come back 
and he's holding the key in his hand. And he has one for each and every single one of you. Nam is the lifeline. Without Nam, without the awareness, you are lost in your own self-awareness. Unlock the key and you unlock your potential, your experience away from the individual to the infinite. So we're now no longer interested in valuing and quantifying how great this oneness is. We just need to hold on to that key. And nothing else is more important to you. Not anything in this material world, not even your family, your closest friends, none of those will go with you. Because in the end, that key needs to be the thing that you hold on to. So this oneness is vast, it's great, it's a treasure, but we cannot know its limit. Guruji goes on to say, Evar ucha hove koe. Evar ucha. As high as this, Evar. Evar means eho jeha, like this. As high as this. Hove koe. If someone is, when you've unlocked that key to that treasure and you realize how infinite it is, only something as infinite as it can value it. Only something as big as, as the treasure can value that treasure. We are small, we are insignificant. If we want to know how big this is, it can only be done by someone who is as big. Only they can know that elevation, that elevated be being. That someone could know that elevated one. This uche ko Jane soy, only that soy, that one, that being, can be known by somebody as great as it. And is there anything as great as the oneness? Is there anything else except the oneness? So Guru Nanak Devji clarifies that there is nothing that can know this. Jevar ap, jane ap ap. Only you, jevar ap, jane, know. Aap Aap, you yourself. Only you yourself know yourself. This is Guru Nanak Devji reminding us of the trap of ego that we can fall into when we go into a spiritual path, when we walk along this path. That every step of the way there is a possibility for us to fall back into the swamp of ego. At some point in your journey, during your great experiences, during your great travels, the things that you see, the things that you experience, you can say, wow, I know. And as soon as you say, I know, you fall. It's like in Monopoly where you have to go back to jail. And what do you need to get out of that jail? You need a key to get you out again and you start again. At any point, if you think you know, that spiritual ego has come in. 
you may have dropped every other ego, the ego of being a father, a husband, a son, a brother, a professional, a student. You may have dropped all of your worldly egos, but you're always at risk of being left with the one ego that says, I've dropped my ego. And that ego is the hardest ego to see because it convinces itself that it's dropped itself. If we have Naam, the mind can create an ego out of it. I have the key. I am special. I am chosen. If I practice Naam, ego can occur. I know how to use this key. If we unlock that divine treasure, ego can come in. Naam Simran is working for me. I have reached the highest stage of meditation. So the I is never far away. And at any moment, it's right behind you, ready to trap you and ready to intoxicate you with the drug of knowing. That sense of self-worth, I know. It's constantly trying to lure you with that drug. And it is nothing more than a drug. And it is the most sweet and intoxicating and tasty drug. That drug of self-importance. That intoxication of superiority. Guru Nanak Dev Ji has no room for that. At every point he says, only you know. Jevar Aap Jane Aap Aap. I know nothing. I am nothing. Naam is the only antidote to this drug. When you say, I know, you're meditating on yourself. When you say, I am not, all there is is you. You lift yourself out of that intoxication of, of ego. Jevar aap jane aap aap nanak nadari karmi Nanak says that graceful one graces us with gifts. It is your gift. It is your grace. It is your divine, sweet blessing that you have shown us the way out of this. Nanak says, Nadri. That Nadri means the one who is graceful. That graceful one, Karmi Dat, graces us with gifts. Knowing that the treasure exists, even knowing that there is a way out of this swamp, is a gift. You weren't born with that knowledge. It is a gift that you even know that there is a way out of this. Knowing that a key exists is a gift. Being handed the key is a gift. Knowing how to use the key is a gift. Unlocking the treasure is a gift. And once you receive the treasure, even that is a gift. It is not your effort, it is not your doing. This is the journey of losing the ego. So losing the ego should not be a reason for you to gain an ego. 
Look at me, I'm losing my ego. Look how much ego I've lost. Very easy to do this. I must be the most egoless person around. At any time, you must know that the me can come back. I, me, myself. I did this by myself. This is a trap. Be vigilant at all times of this trap. So the Guru is constantly being so graceful to us to remind us of this trap at any moment. The Guru always wants to get you away from this trap. Like a parent trying to keep a child out of harm's way. So many Shabads end with this is your grace, this is your grace. Not for Guru Nanak's benefit, it's for our benefit. So Guruji is showing us how to avoid this trap. Nanaka nadari karmi dat. Everything is a gift. Every moment is a gift. Every breath is a gift. If you take hankar in anything, then you fall into that trap of ego. Nam is the way out of that. This is your grace. This is your gift. This is why Guruji has spent so much time using this word sift, salah, your praise. This is your gift. <clears throat> Learning to use this Naam in a way that doesn't build your ego is something that we have to practice and we have to be aware of the pitfalls at any stage. Because at any moment, the pride of achievement can creep back in. Vaikruji ka khalsa, Vaikruji ki fateh.